Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose, program number 37, The Deaf Hard Heart. Yikes. Yikes is yes. right. And this is the series, The Life, that we've been doing. And of course, it's on the life of Jesus. And I'm really intrigued by the title, so we'll get into it right after the prayer. So would you uh, open with a word of prayer, Susan? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are thankful that, number one, you have given us a heart, and it's a heart to um, discern uh, truth from evil and to um, be softened to your calling. And so that's what I pray for, for Rich and I and for everybody who's listening, that our hearts would be open to the truth about God and that we would not just know the truth but live the truth. And we can only do that through your power and your spirit. So we pray for your spirit right now, and uh, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, mm-hmm. Susan. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just jotted a note down because on the title of the program, The Deaf Hard Heart, how does a heart get hard? What is a hard heart? I think it's a it's a when you resist the, a calling for love and companionship and compassion you resist it and you go into a me focused state of mind okay so to me me focused might be the the key then right because i know in my graduation speech it wasn't in my graduation speech to end up homeless 20 years later 25 years later it wasn't it was a series of seemingly insignificant selfish choices that I made along the way Mm -hmm. to where I had totally gone downhill where it was almost like I could not hear the voice of God anymore now can that happen the other way in other words can you be really super successful and tune out the voices of God as well because see I had been unsuccessful and went into a spiral but is but it, can you have a spiritual spiral being very very successful in this world? I, I think so. And as we go through this lesson, I think it's going to be talking about the Pharisees and how um, they thought because of their um, you know their success and their standing in the community that they were close to to God or that they were you know they had the right um, heart. But in fact, it I think it shows it, that they didn't. I think this is you know and. and, and we can't judge the people's most, hearts. We, we can't, for the most part, see into the mind of God. But can you? What do you think about the lesson where he's got he's got quote unquote the expositors of Scripture here on this planet? Mm-hmm. They're all quote so unquote the people who have learned and are supposed to be the teachers. Yeah, the ones that are the teachers. Right. And he comes and he can't get he can't make a dent in 
in their heart. He can't convince them that he's God, which is an incredible, and I think this is an illustration for everyone to see, that he actually came when there were some very, very religious people. Mm-hmm. And, and let's go back. Let's give the Pharisees a break because we are just like them. Okay. We're human beings, and we right. all have the same tendencies. And we say, how we look back as they looked back. How could those in the past have been so blind? And then the ones, you know, and they continue to look back, how could they have been so blind? So do we ever look at ourselves in, in the mirror and say, you How know, could what? I be so blind? Right. And so I think that I know I kind of wanted to get this point in, um, so I'm going to throw it in right now, is that, um, you know, what's happening in the world today is can be very disheartening and, and very um, frightening and very... Um, you know, it can just—it's it, just a scary place to see where our, where we're at in the United States, regardless of what side you're on or what side you're not on. Um, and the thing is, is we're always looking, f- and I see this with a lot of Christians—we're looking for justice in this world, right? So we're expecting to um, that we're righteous enough that we can actually say, um, you know, we're looking for justice. And I had just read a blog, and it was called the. Uh, um, the injustice of human justice, right? And so I think that that's the same thing that's happening right now. Our hearts during this time in Earth's history can be hardened against the calling of God simply because of the fear and what we are, how we judge other people as to what's happening in the in this time or how we withdraw because of the events and how we're taking them in or how we're not taking them in. Okay, so that's really interesting you say that because human you you say human justice is different than God's justice. Correct. Because I'm thinking about one of the guys that wrote one of the Gospels. His Mm -hmm. name was Matthew. Mm -hmm. What was he? He was a tax collector. He He was hated by his people. Right? right, because As, he was Jewish. He was Jewish, but he was confiscating just he like Zac- for the government. <laughs> was it Zacchaeus? The, uh, who's the other tax Zacchaeus. collector? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They, because they, you know, Zacchaeus, he's he was raking a little in for himself, a little for the Romans, a little for himself, a little more he, for himself, a little more for himself. <laughs> See, and so the, he, so God brought justice. How did He bring justice to Matthew and Zacchaeus? By bringing changed them, their hearts, right? He brought so they never, communion. so they would never do it again, right? Paul was dragging women and children out of homes and sending their, them to their doom or to prison. God brought justice by doing what? Changing Paul's heart. And he had to knock him off his horse to do it. And, and, I don't, and it's not a forceful change of heart. It's a, hey, Paul, what is going on? Yeah. So Paul was taking in all the, all the happenings of what was going on with Stephen and everything, and his conscience was being spoken to by the power of God, and then all of a sudden he was knocked off his horse. And so I think that the Spirit is working in each and every human being to say, um, which side do you want to choose? Do you want to choose good or evil? So now let's not confuse God's justice with a necessary civil justice. When someone has wronged someone, right. someone has stolen something, then there is a civil penalty to pay for that. Let's not confuse that Correct. with how many people do we know, especially in our work in the women's facility, that have gone and and the civil justice has taken hold mm-hmm. and they are now serving their sentence, but while they're serving their sentence, 
God's justice comes in, changes their hearts, and they never do that behavior again. Absolutely. And that, see, and they become a changed person. So, so in other words, when someone is killing themselves, because mm-hmm. that's what sin does, mm-hmm. you're stealing with, you steal from somebody, you're changing your mind, you're changing your heart, you're changing yourself into being a thief. Mm-hmm. It's just what happens. So when someone is killing themselves, mm-hmm. the just thing to do is to restore them back into harmony with God so they don't kill themselves. It's a natural thing. If someone is drowning in 10 feet of water, the just thing to do is pull them out of the water and restore them back into harmony with the law of respiration so that they can breathe. And when they breathe, they're restored back into harmony with a natural law, and now they can become well. They they won't die. It's the same thing. God is trying to restore humanity Back, back in, to life. Back to life. Right. Death is to take. Right. Life is to give. Right. And death is the enemy. Death is De- not of God. Right. And so God is always trying to restore. Always back trying to, life. to restore. Always trying to restore. And so as we go throughout our day, how do we apply that to our life? You know, in in the very in in our in our very daily existence as we're going through these times. Are we are we a force for life or are we a force yeah. for death? Death that ha- that has that's the bottom line. You know the uh, my friend Ron again. I mentioned him last time. He sent me a, a text again this morning. Your words have power. Right. They have meaning and and you, they can be used for good or they can be used for bad. Right. And I was listening to a, a pastor this morning as well, and he was talking about how much power words had and how when some people had raised. Uh, in fact, there was one gentleman that had raised his daughter, and he knew she was going to be tall. Mm-hmm. Okay, he he could just tell she was going to be tall when she grew up. Mm-hmm. And so, as she grew up, the father pointed out tall women. He said, "Look at that tall woman. Look how graceful. Look how she walks with dignity. Aren't tall women beautiful?" And the and the girl grew up to be six foot three. Wow! But she felt good about herself. Right. Because right. her father had built good memories with good words mm-hmm. and encouraging and uplifting words. And that's what we need now. We need uplifting, encouraging words. Right. We have differences. All right. But but we can also focus on our similarities. We're all brothers and sisters in humanity. Right. And we all have similarities. And if we can uplift one another with our help with our struggles, all these kinds of things— um, it, can it, it be brings such, life to us and yes, it'll bring life to someone and else. And make the as well. world a better place. Absolutely. You know, it's up to us individually to right. do that in your own little sphere of influence. That's all you have. That's all you're responsible for is your own little sphere of influence. We can't control all this swirl of madness that's going on around us. Right. So there's no reason to try. Build our relationship with God. Do what we can in our own little sphere of influence, speak uplifting, kind words, help people that are in need, and and that's what it's all about. That's what we need to do, especially in this time. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's go back now, and let's talk about how things can get twisted up. Because, see, there was a lot of people that believed in Jesus back in the day, Mm -hmm. but then what would happen is the Pharisees would come, and they would tell lies about Jesus, or and they would even point to the Bible to support their lies. Mm-hmm. And they would take people away from what Jesus taught. Now, and I'm trying to think what you know what was wrong about teaching about the parable of the sower or the parable of the prodigal son or the all these parables. It was wrong. There was nothing wrong with that, but it drove the Pharisees nuts, nuts because. Right. 
he was some goodness somehow was a threat to them. And so... Um, it was because of their expectations, Yeah, right? they, they had, expected to have supremacy over over everything they wanted to be they wanted god to come back with power and to defeat their enemies and ruin and 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 rule the exterior world absolutely so that they could have the riches of this life but have have heaven forbid that this that god was supposed to come inside my heart right right and change me and clear out the, the the dross right yeah Heaven forbid that. No, he's got to take care of that guy and right. that guy and everybody else that's doing a wrong around me, but uh, he's not coming into my heart. See, and, that, and so what they did was they would point it at, at scriptures uh, like he would reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his ancients of glory. Isaiah 24, 23, and Psalm 72, 8, if you look, and if you look right now, if you look around, who do you see reigning? Right. Who do you see reigning right now? I see I see that darkness and There's evilness. There's a lot is, of stuff, a lot of confusion, right. a lot mm-hmm. of a, a lot of um when I call vengeance happening, right? right? Mm-hmm. Is We had a we had a dear sweet caller that called a couple of weeks ago and said that she had just re, just learned that she did not need to be afraid of God. That God is really the person that comes to save us. He and Jesus are one in mission. They're one in, um, they're one in their desire to win us back to yeah. be complete and to be restored. Yeah, if God's you, not against us, He's for us. Yeah, if you see a drunk driver driving ninety miles an hour down a freeway with a policeman behind him with the lights flashing. What in your mind is going on? Is the police officer trying to get that guy in trouble, or is he already in trouble? Right. The police officer's trying to get him pulled over so he doesn't kill himself and other people. Right. God is not trying to get us in trouble. We're already in trouble. He's trying to get us pull over to the side, calm down, open your minds and hearts, and see what the big picture is. You're killing yourself. Right. And you may even be successful in business. You may be appear like everything is going on, but in the deep recesses of your mind, are you really okay? Are you trapped? Right. Are you trapped because you can't think? Um, You're trapped by possessions or trapped by positions or power or whatever it may be, those things that we're supposed to strive for in in a human way, and yet they come in and they trap us. They do. We reach for the next thing and the next thing, and they're never fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Or there's certain thoughts we can't get out of our head, you know, thoughts about other people or entities of thoughts of hatred, and they're fueling our energy, which is not healthy. No. You know, there's just so many things that we do nowadays that aren't healthy. Right. And I, I, I jotted another thing down. Email and text, too. It's so easy in an email just to simply blast somebody without any emotion. how it is going to come across. Be. Yeah, exactly. Right. Any, it's hard to tell how it is going to come across, but we email and we text so much without any voice inflection, without any real meaning. It, it's almost as though you know it's uh, it's uh, um, you know everybody says this is modernization, this is pro- progressiveness, this is what's going to help us to have a better humanity. But it almost is like it's tearing us further and further apart. I, it is. It's it's de- it, it appears to be detrimental. And I was talking to my boss today, and we talked about see how we're interacting. Yes, we got plexiglass between yes. us. We're in the studio here, but how we're interacting. See, when when you're texting with someone, you can't interact back and forth. Right, like you can't that. look into the 
their eyes. You, you can't read expression. No. You can't give expression with your face and your eyes, and therefore it just takes away everything. It takes away all the, the true human interaction. Right. You know? And then we have a whole um, new generation of 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 people that are growing up with that's their that's their go-to as a screen instead of humanity and i just think that it's part of the it's, uh, you know the pulling apart of 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 humanity and so but the 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 people in jesus's day did the did did the same thing they discredited him mm-hmm. and um they made comparisons between the glory that they had imagined that Jesus was going to come. What he was, he was gonna, supposed to do. Right. He was going to rule with an iron fist. He was going to get there. He, he was going to take care of their enemies. But when he came in such a humble appearance with love and dignity, respect for others, um, it, their, all their prophecies were just perverted. Well, they perverted them. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 they perverted them to, ch- to say they, that they, wasn't who he was. Right. He can't they, be the Messiah. They, Look at here. Right. They studied to um, the word and so that they could put themselves in a better position than yeah. what God ever intended. You know, God intended for a restoration back to his way of life, but they wanted to be um, successful in worldly aspirations, not like, in God's I, way. I think I think they probably dug out anything that they could find that was anti-Jesus mm-hmm. in the in the old te- you, you but if you think about it, it's the lens you look through. Right. Not the words you read. Right. It's and, who you expect it, it's who you your your whole mode of how you expect how yeah, you set things up in your life. Yeah. Um so you Back to Isaiah, 61st chapter says he was going to do that, the very work that he did. 53, chapter 53 of Isaiah shows his rejections and his sufferings, and chapter 59 describes the character of the priests and the rabbis. So it was all there if you were looking through the proper lens. Right, and the, the beautiful thing is that God doesn't force us to give up our false ideas or force ideas into our minds. He places before us the light and the darkness, the truth and error, and it's for us to decide what we will accept. He get the he has given the human mind the power to discriminate between right and wrong, but we have the choice to decide what's right and what's wrong. Exactly. And you know, how many times have you heard someone say, "Don't you see?" You're right. Don't you see? Mm-hmm. No, I don't see it because of the. See, I I can I can take a pair of dark glasses. And I can put them on, and I can make the room dark, right? No. No. The room is still light. It appears dark to me now because I have dark glasses on. Correct. But I cannot make the room dark. We cannot change truth into air, but we can put a lens on, or we can grow into a lens, if you will, that will cause truth to look like air or cause truth to be so abrasive to us that we reject it. You Remember, God in human flesh was so abrasive to the religious ruling class of the day that they nailed him on a cross. Well, and I remember when I was out on the streets using, it was just if the police would just leave me they alone. They were abrasive. I'm, I'm just doing what I'm doing to survive and to make myself happy. Why doesn't everybody just understand? Until the le- until you looked through the lens that you were killing yourself. Right. Because, see, you were— Until I saw myself in the reality of what it was, yeah, right? Yeah, because, because in your little world of using— you were keeping yourself alive, absolutely. But in the in, but, in, but truth, reality, in reality, is, you were right. killing yourself. Exactly. See, and so that lens that 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 we look through is the is the key. Right. So when we read the Bible, 
we need to be looking at what am what am I believing and what does it say about God? Mm-hmm. What does it say about God? Right. Because if the Jews had set their prejudice and um, aside and they compared the written prophecy with the facts that characterized the life of Jesus, they would have seen the beautiful harmony between what the Bible said and and the fulfillment and the life and the ministry of who Jesus was as a person. It would have been he, very clear. Right. He and you know that and that's how the disciples saw him. And then you see Paul, who was so against Jesus, how he once the scales came off of his eyes and he was truly able to see, he really saw Jesus for who he was. Yeah. And, and then it, he connected the dots and he's able to write a book like Hebrews and say, look at everything I believe does make sense with Jesus. Right. You know, and that's the fascinating thing. And it's just, it's a matter of connecting enough dots. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does. You know, your brain's got all these dots and you need to connect them all, right? Right. And 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 the Holy Spirit comes in and, and he starts connecting them as we study and as we learn more about God. And so I think what's happening is, is that that evil and Satan is trying to get us completely to have a lens completely focused in on the world. And therefore, we don't have time to truly learn about God. And so I think for me, the, the question I have to ask myself each day is, what set of glasses am I right. going to put on? Am I going to put on one that's that's that wants light and love and truth and happiness and joy that I can take in and then I can give out? Or am I going to be filled with fear and hate and look for everything wrong in life and and spew that out of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that when it comes right down to daily living, that's what those are the choices I have to make. Yeah, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head because it has to do with looking at that bigger picture. Right. The big picture is this world is not our home. Right. The big picture is God is love. The big picture is humanity is fearful but perfect love casts out fear. So where am I going to get well? With the next song I write, with the next motorcycle I buy, with the next car, car I buy, with you know whatever, the next trip we take? No. The, the only way that that fear is going to be eliminated from the core of my being, which causes me to act selfish, the only way is if, I, if I'm talking to God all the time and when I'm thinking about people, I'm thinking about God and his ways, mm-hmm. and I'm not thinking hateful, revengeful thoughts. I'm thinking kind, gentle, as best I can. Now, I get it. It's, it's a messed up place, and my mind is messed up, and it wants to do the wrong thing, and, and so it's a constant battle. But that big picture is God is love and perfect love casts out fear and fear is my problem. Fear is why I act selfish. Fear is why I want to blame you instead of me. Fear is why I want the spotlight off of me and onto you. Fear is I want I don't want anybody in the room looking at me. I want them to look I want to point out the faults in everybody else so they're not looking at me. Fear causes me to act I want to say not in God's image. Mhm. You know, and Jesus came and he, you know, he, he, he showed he us showed what us. the image of God is like. And he could take a Zacchaeus and he could take a Paul and he could take a Matthew and he could take a, a, a Peter, a, a Peter a, even someone who denied him at the time when he needed Peter the most and still made Peter well. Right. Still was able to make Peter well, even though Peter had all that baggage from his walk with Jesus and how he constantly was jockeying for position and this and that and god cured him of all of that 
self-centeredness. Amazing in the presence of God how we all can act, right? Yeah, and how God just puts up with it. And it's a process, people. It is a process. Let the doctor do his work. He will work in you to do and to will and to do his good pleasure, and it takes time. You know, I know I just I had a bad infection on my neck. It took 10 days of taking antibiotics to make it go away. I had to do what the doctor said and wait. And five days in, I panicked and I called for another appointment with the doctor going, this thing ain't going away. It ain't going away. And I needed to make an appointment with her again. And and so and you went and, to the appointment and, and what happened and the appointment and everything was fine because by the time of the the, the antibiotics had been done. And everything took care of itself. And the infection was gone. And the infection was gone. So the great physician just asks one thing of you. Be teachable and and trust him. And do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Uh, Time to wrap it up, folks. Uh, Give us a call, 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.